Good morning. Everybody doing good? Hey, we're glad you're here today. Hey, thanks for coming out in this beautiful weather we're having in Montgomery. Yeah, what's so beautiful about it? It's kind of nasty out there, isn't it? But that's okay. Hey, it's, uh, the good news is uh, it won't last. It'll change. Well, I'm excited about today. Brand new series, Change. It's a fitting topic for a new year. We've just finished 2014. Wow. And some of you are saying, well, we're not finished with it yet. We're still trying to pay for it. Well, that'll happen. Or you're saying, well, I still got my taxes from last year, and I got to get all that. Isn't that a word of hope? April 15th's coming, and everybody went, glory? No, you didn't. But for the most part, 2014's over. 2015's here. New year, new opportunities, new schedules. You've made resolutions that you're not going to keep. Maybe you are. I pray you make commitments. And I pray that you'll make, maybe not a lot of commitments, you'll make a few. And you'll make some commitments that'll, uh, they'll, they'll change your life. They'll, they'll matter. There'll be a difference. You know, today's title is real simple. Is a changed life possible? I want you to think about that for just a minute. Just, just that simple question, is a, is a changed life possible? You know, I think about that a lot. I think about the changes that have happened in my life, in my journey with Jesus. I think about the changes that need to take place in my life as I journey with Christ. And as you think about that this morning, just the the word change. Millions of people on the planet, maybe billions, are asking that today. Will my life be any different than it was last year or about the same, about the same status quo? Hey, I made resolutions. I made commitments. I, I really intend to. You know, I go to the gym a lot. I just don't look like it. But I've been going to the gym all my life. I just, I, I love working out and kind of have done that. So I had to give up weights at 40 because of a neck injury. So I've missed that for the last 15 plus, you know, a lot of years. And uh, so I'm into cardio, but, but I like that. And, and what happens this time of the year, it always frustrates me because I have certain machines that I like or I have an elliptical that I really, I think it has my name on it, the why. I've become a little possessive. And this time of the year, people get it. I mean, they don't call ahead and go, Donna, would Keith mind if we use that elliptical? I'm just kidding. I own nothing, okay? But it is a little frustrating because sometimes you have to wait this time of the year because people made all these resolutions that hopefully they're going to keep. But I'm thinking about one great truth. This morning, right there at the very, the oval at the very top of your worship guide, I want you to look. It says, change is possible. In fact, it's God's plan for all of his children to change into the image of Christ, but we have to be ready first, prepared for his use through repentance and through renewal. But change is possible. Say that with me today. I want that to get in your spirit. Change is possible. How many believe that today? I really believe, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have woken up this morning. Well, I hope I would have woken up. I would not have shown up on campus today had I not believed that Christ gives you and I the power to change. I've seen it thousands of times in so many lives over the last almost getting closer to four decades now of following Jesus as I watch people see in their life change. Matter of fact, I put a verse, Luke chapter 5, verse 31 and 32 from the message. And I want you to look on the screen. It's going to appear. Jesus heard about it and he spoke up, who needs the doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life. I like that. Changed inside out. 
Isn't that great words from Jesus? I'm inviting you, outsiders, to change through my gospel. We don't have the power to change, but Christ in us changes us in a dramatic way. So this morning, I'm, I'm just, I've been running and uh, just uh, celebrating and thinking and meditating on this thought, change, all week. In our family, we now have two grandchildren. We're praying that we're going to have a house full of grandkids one day. We've done and I have thought that for a long time. We just think that would be glorious to have lots of grandkids. You know, no pressure. We, we just think that'd be awesome, okay? And little man, McLean, is over there, and he's a little bitty thing. I got to hold him the other day, and I was thinking about the change. The boy's never had a boy in his life. Let me go ahead and just put it this way. I'm just going to go ahead, and if you thought highly of me, I'm fixing to blow it. I've never been peed on, okay? <laughs> so, I don't know about that. You know, boys have different plumbing, so I'm going to figure that out over it. Yeah, and some of you are laughing, going, that is so funny. Please do not tweet that. Do not Instagram that. I don't, oh, man, I can't. I'm sorry, Rachel, if you're watching. I love you, baby. You're my hero. Okay, let me move on. It is pretty funny, though, isn't it? I, I, I thought it was. Okay, let's go on. As we start a new year, there's hope for the future. There's hope of a changed person, a changed heart, the heart that Jesus changes. There's the hope for a changed world where you and I decide this year to have new compassion and new love and new expression for Jesus. There's a hope for a change that Christ brings us individually and corporately. I, I pray that our church changes, that we grow more into the image of Christ one of my very favorite verses, it's one of the very first verses I ever learned. Before I was a believer, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I probably share it 12 times a year. I just threw that number out. It could be less, could be more. But a lot. I know a lot of the Word. I've been studying the Word for a long time. I, I was in the Word this morning. I love God's Word. But this verse, therefore, if anyone, if any man, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. The old 2014 is gone, but the new has come. Is that worth celebrating, church? The new's come. And that's what Christ does. When he gives us new life, we become new. He gives us a new year. There's a new opportunity, a new uh, outlet for us to express, but we're changed by his power. But let me just say this as I'm thinking about it. Some of you are going to go, okay, I, I get it, preacher. Change. I need change. You do. I do. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do good. I'm going to fail. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do good. I'm going to fail. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do good. I'm going to do fail. Do you, do you realize what I just said? There's a cycle going on, and it's miserable. The, the performance, the, the deal, it, it's just not good. And then sometimes in the church, we learn to fake it. <laughs> we put on our spiritual jargon and language. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. How you doing? And I'll be praying for you. Man, you ain't even thought of Next time you see them, I'll be praying for you. Have you ever stopped and thought about that when somebody asked you to pray for them? I'll pray for you. You know, I ain't going to pray for them. Now, a lot of you do, and I'm grateful. I've taught this for years on this campus. When people ask you to pray for them, stop then. I've got spiritual ADD, and some of you do too. Stop and pray then and bring a blessing. Bring heaven to their life right then. Amen? Just stop and pray for people. I've stopped people in Costco before and prayed them for them. I've prayed for people in line. You're like, yeah, but you're a preacher. They expect you to do it. 
Well, they probably do. Are you a Christian? They expect you to pray. My prayers get heard. How about yours? Oh, let me ask that question again. That, that, that was scary. My prayers get heard. How about you? Okay, I just want to make sure if you're like, I don't know, man, do they? Uh, you know, like, well, man, you need a breakthrough today. Ephesians chapter 4. Why don't you turn over there? Ephesians chapter 4. Some of you notice I'm trying a little something different today. I always do it on candlelight because it's a short service and I don't preach long and, you know, transition. I say, hey, I'm going to use my podium again. It's fun. I just realized, though, and I like this podium. It's kind of cool, and I walk around more, and I spit more, and I see my spit bubbles. But here's the problem. There's not a lot of room to sit stuff, and I just realized it. So somebody want to come out here and hold my Bible for me? No, I'm just teasing. I'll, I'll be okay. Ephesians 4. First three chapters of Ephesians, a lot about doctrine, who Christ is, who he is in us. It's a great reading. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, maybe you start with Ephesians this afternoon or in the morning. Start reading Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. But he comes to 4, and he begins to talk about morphing. The word we get, metamorphosis. Morph. In the Greek, it's, a, it's an inward change. Romans eight twenty nine says, It is God's will that he would conform us to the glorious image of his Son, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in our DNA, there is the capacity for spiritual metamorphosis. In everybody's DNA that God has ever created, he has created a, a vacuum, the ability, the capacity for him to fill and how he wants to fill it. it it's in your DNA. But there's a couple of stages. I, I just wrote down here on spiritual metamorphosis, and I'll, I'm going to go through a lot of stuff with you, but I think it'll help. Number one, there's got to be the spiritual birth. There's just got to be a spiritual birth. I thought that's a great way to start off a new year just in case somebody doesn't know they're not born again or they just want to be assured they're born again or they don't want to know what Jesus said. Look, it'll come up on the screen. John chapter 3, verse 3. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That, that's serious. Now, unless you get born again, you're not going to go to heaven. I'm going to be clear. If you're not born again, you won't see Christ. You won't sit down at the wedding supper of the Lamb. The bridegroom comes for his bride, the church. You won't be there. But the good news is, here, spiritual metamorphosis, it starts with being born again. For me, I remember that so clearly. For you, you hopefully you could articulate your story. And maybe if you don't, you'd go, well, I need to be born again. And, and there's lots of examples in scriptures. Paul is certainly an amazing example evidence of the new life of how god can change a serious sinner a zealot a, a persecutor a gospel terrorist i mean when paul showed up man people ran guys and barnabas hey here's my friend paul i don't think we'll attend <laughs> he kills christians no you don't know he was changed on the damascus road one day go, go read it sometime but paul knows this i don't deserve grace I don't, I don't deserve to be changed, but by the grace of God, Christ changed me. So no matter this morning what you've done, where you've been, who you've hurt, where you're going, Christ can change you. How many believe that today? I do. I'm pretty messed up. You think I'm messed up now? You should have seen me before Christ. Thank you, Mark, for not saying Amen. Mark went to high school with me, and Ricky and some others that aren't here today. Thank you, Jesus. But God can change you. Write it somewhere on your note today. 
God can change me. If you can just have that thought running through your spirit today, God can change me. And so you're saying, well, I've already been born again. That's awesome. There's areas you need for change. If I interviewed your spouses today and said, is there a need for change in your marriage partner? Do you know 100% of you would go? Yes. Do you believe that? I do. And there'd be somebody in here that's so wild-eyed and love and radical, and they think their husband or wife are perfect. They've only been married for six hours, okay? No, there's no need for change. No need. Okay, we'll be married six months, six years, 60 years. You know what Robert told me this morning when we talked on the phone? His mom and dad had been married 62 years. His mom felt very alone last night for the first time because her, her maid had preceded her in death. What does grace do? It just makes you and I more like Jesus. What a great thought. Hebrews 5.14. Or, or let me move to this other thought. So spiritual rebirth. The second thought is spiritual maturity. God has created you and I to move on towards spiritual maturity. In Ephesians 4.13, listen, this will continue until we all come to such unity and faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up the full and complete standard of Christ. We shall grow up in all aspects and come to be who Christ has called us to be. We need to mature. There's nothing attractive about immaturity. Never has been, never will be. It, it's a little cute on kids. And the younger they are, it's real cute. Have you ever thought about with children, things that are so cute or so gross as you, if you do them as adults? I'm not going to name any. I've already embarrassed myself in the early part of the service. But kids do funny things. But as they grow older, they mature physically, emotionally, intellectually, hopefully spiritually, so God wants to change us. So spiritual rebirth, spiritual maturity, look at the third one. Then God wants us to move on to spiritual reproduction. He wants us, another word would be multiply. God wants us to multiply disciples for the glory of God and impact on the next generation. Last night, Don and I were watching Passion 2015 with Louis Giglio and company. We, we do this every year, pretty much they live stream it this year. They don't had that on live stream and, you know, gave her Apple TV for Christmas. And so we were able to blow up on the TV because, you know, we're getting a little older, or at least I am. And, uh, and uh, you don't see things as good. So it's really cool to have it on big screen. We were watching this amazing service of worship in the next generation. And some of them are here and some of them aren't here. They're still in bed. They, they're, you know, they're just exhausted. But the whole thing is passing the baton. I, I wrote down just some people. Paul reproduced himself in several men. Timothy, Titus, Epaphras. He passed the faith baton to younger men. And I've done that in my ministry over the years. I've discipled young people that are now in their 40s. I think I even have one that's maybe 50, 51, 52. A little younger than me, not much. But a lot of 40-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 20-year-olds are running around that God let me be a part of trying to reproduce and, and disciple them. And I think, man, that's for every disciple to move on. In our church, we do a thing called triads. The last triad that I led that I was a part of, the two men are here today that I love. Love praying for these guys. Nick Merkel, Chris Bailey. Celestial, eternal, blessed triad of God. You're going, I don't know, you aren't as special as you think you are, or we think we are. 
And we love each other. And we hold each other accountable. And we pray for one another. And I just encourage you. Chris is not here today. He's got a sick uh, child. But Chris heads up our men's ministry. See him, men, if you want to be a part of a three, of a triad this year. I don't know, but become a spiritual parent. Just write down the thought. Consider being a spiritual parent in 2015. That's for disciples. That's not for clergy only. It's not for staff only. It's for the body of Christ. And the church said, I believe that. Do you believe that, church? Become a spiritual parent. It's awesome. It's phenomenal to be a physical parent. I love my two girls. I mean, my goodness. And I won't tell you about them because I can tell you about them forever. I love them. They're the joy of my life. But being a spiritual parent, now that has eternal dividends. That'll make a difference. So, God, it's our responsibility to make disciples. In Ephesians 4, as I had you turn over there, you begin to see, he says, I urge you to live in one translation. Another translation says, I ordered you to lead a life worthy of the manner. To live worthy, to lead worthy. Isn't that a great word? God wants you and I to measure up. He wants us to lead our life for the glory of Christ, a life that's worthy. Walking here is, is a metaphor. Christ entered you. The Spirit of God sealed you. It marked you. It entered into your life. You're in Christ. You're His. You're sealed. You're redeemed. You're saved. You're blessed. Now, go and multiply. A life-changing distinction here to reproduce and make other disciples. I just happen to believe if we get serious about that around our church, it doesn't mean that I have the power because you and I, sin is very serious and it's very powerful. But Christ came to radically transform you and me and to overcome our sin through his power. That power that strengthens the believer where we're bought with a price. I like what it says. The flow of Ephesians is not to live up to the gospel, but it's to live out of the gospel. Write that down. Now, I'm not asking you to live up and to do better and do good, because you'll get frustrated in that, but live out of the overflow of the gospel. Lord, I'm giving my life to you afresh, consecrated, committed, dedicated to you in 2015. I want to live out of the overflow of the heart. My heart worships you. Is anybody getting that now? I live out of. I don't live up to, but I live out of what Christ is doing. Here's what I've learned about my preaching. I preach better when I have more overflow. Like right now, I've been meditating. You see, I was off last Sunday. Jeff did a fantastic job, and it was glorious having a break. You don't realize preaching 43, 44 times a weekend a year and all the other teaching, it, it just it takes a toll. So last weekend was great. We watched it online. Man, got blessed. But coming back, I've been... I've been meditating. I've been thinking about this for two weeks. There's an overflow in my heart, and I'm only going to keep you to 130 today, so it won't be too bad, okay? And see, there's so, I'm so full. I'm so full. If you hit me right now, I leak. See, that's why I spit so much. There's an overflow. There's the anointing. You, you, although there's not one person on the front row. And I would say spiritual wuss. Okay, all right, let's go on. No, I don't know. Where did I get this crazy stuff? I don't know. All right. Not alone, not alone. Inner being. Here's what he says, Paul. Because your inner being has been strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit, whatever the call to righteous living is, you have the ability to live it out through Christ, the hope of glory in you. 
Colossians, you just write it in the margin, it's not in your notes, Colossians 1, 9 through 11. He gives three things. There must be a prayerful walk, a pleasing walk, and a purposeful walk. I want a pleasing walk with Christ. I want a powerful, pleasing walk, prayerful walk. I want to pray for others. But God, I want my life to be on purpose. Because when my life's on purpose, you get more honor. So Lord, I want to be more obedient this year. I want to be obedient to your call. That's for disciples. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, then first, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. So following is obedience. We could talk about that. I'm sure we'll talk about this year, the continuous movement action of God being strengthened in the Greek, dynamos, dunamis, dynamite, power, manifested power of God is in us. This same Christ that God raised from the dead dwells in us by faith. The power of the resurrection resides in us. We are liberated in Christ. It is finished what Christ has done at the cross. We don't do anything. We don't add to it. It's done. That's good news, church. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to run around trying to prove I'm a super Christian. I can prove I'm a super failure. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace, redeemed, that, that, that's good news. Um, I'm his ambassador. If you were an ambassador to China, you represent the U.S. to them. If you're in court and you have an attorney, a lawyer, they represent you. It's a good thing to do that, not to do it yourself. In Christ, I have Christ to atone for, you do, in Christ, and he represents me. He's, the Bible calls him our mediator. He mediates to the Father. You ever heard of mediation? <laughs> Attorneys know all about it. Well, we have a mediator this morning. He's awesome. And he finds us guiltless because of his blood. Man, that's good news. I, I, just, I get thrilled about it. Creed, conduct, morphing, depending, trusting, not trying to try harder. Like, God, I want to move on with you. I want to grow this year. Matter of fact, I want to talk about that, about morphing into the cocoon of community. I just want to put a short plug in today because we're talking about change. And one of the ways change happens is through community. Our life groups kick back off this week. If you've been a part of a small group, life group, great. If you haven't, it's not too late. We, they're always open. You can come anytime. Find one. I'd love to add some new ones if we had enough people, like new people that wanted to go. I mean, it just, it's a great way to grow. But here in this thing, there's some attitudes here in Ephesians that I see as I was reading Ephesians 4. And one is humility. Look there he, in chapter 4, Ephesians. Therefore, as a prisoner, I, I, prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. We've been talking about that. Now, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Wow, he, he gives some things for you and I do. He says here, be humble. Have an accurate view of yourself. <laughs> humble yourself. God's opposed to your arrogance. He's opposed to your pride. He, he doesn't like it. Give great energy and focus. Don't think that you're better than you really are. Can I just really be honest? A lot of us think we're better than we are. Some of us have such poor self-esteem, we just think, ah, it's raining, it's my fault. I just want you to think about that for a minute. It's raining. What did you get to do with the rain? It is not your fault. 
So, you know, so God, I trust you. I, I look to you here. Humility, it's the same attitude of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 5, I consider others better than myself. I could talk about this all day. The lowness of mind, pride prevents you and I from admitting how weak I am and how short I fall. And God says, humble yourself, clothe yourself in humility. That's attractive to Christ. And, and then he tells us here, he, so he says, always be humble. And then he says, be gentle, be resistant, have power in you under control. Okay, let's make it real. We just finished Christmas. And please do not raise your hand because the cameras are on you. No, don't worry about it. There were some people at some of your houses that irritated you during Christmas. Now, I hope it wasn't your spouse, okay? But there were people that came to your house through the holiday period, or you went to their house. Maybe you were the irritator. You ever thought about that? But there was a lot of irritation and agitation going on during the Christmas holidays, and a lot of good things, too. And so many people are glad it's over, okay? And now we're in this new year. So he says, be gentle. Or be humble, but now I want you to be gentle with each other. I want to have that power and the control. I want you to be meek. I don't want you to demand your way. I just want you to be kind and gracious. That's a great word. Be humble. Be gentle. And then he says be patient. Have a long time to heat up. Before you blow your fuse, let it be long. Be long-suffering is what the Greek says. Some of you in this room, you're extremely patient. You'll sit in traffic and you'll go, Blessed are they that drive in front of me. I enjoy the traffic. This is the third light to sit through. Blessed are they today, Father. Some of you, like me, I want to get these Christian bumpers I'm still looking for. I'm thinking about starting a company. And I just want to ram the snot out of you. They say, in Jesus' name, move. That's not very Christian. That was a flesh break I just took. I'm sorry. Not gentle. Some of you are saying, I'm so glad you don't ride behind me. And, and then your pastor, I've been thinking about this, not very smart sometimes. I drive a convertible. I like, that's, that's smart. That's not what I'm saying. Blake thinks it's not smart. When it's 50 degrees, I have my top down. But I like a convertible, okay? But I have a tiger tail at the back. And, and, I, and I put it up a few weeks ago. I thought, yeah, this season's coming to end. I'm going to quit being obnoxious, okay? Kids at your church, your kids came to Pastor Keith. Where's your tail? I put it back out. Okay, I just want you to know, the kids made me do it. Here it is. But patience, long-suffering, long-tempered, letting Jesus get a handle, not exhibiting, exasperating behavior in speech. I think some of you are like, I I I'm with you. And then he says here, and now bear with one another, make allowances. You know what I'm saying. You've got some people in your life you need to make allowances for. If you want change, you're going to have to give room for the Holy Spirit to work there. Lord, help me to bear and make room and love these people that are chosen and valued by you. Lord, maybe I irritate them. Maybe they irritate me, but it doesn't matter. I want your compassion, Lord Jesus. I want to be clothed in you. I want to lead them to you, possibly, if they don't have faith in you today. I was just thinking about this a lot. And there's, then I wrote here three basic reasons why I'm not what I need to be. Number one, spiritual ignorance. <laughs> You've just failed to study God's word you're not in God's word. Let's just go ahead and lay it out there. This is not condemnation. I, I did a lot of prep on this, but I'm going to try to move through it quickly. We're an illiterate community across the country when it comes to the Bible for a, a large part. So I wrote in my notes, 
Get in the Bible in 2015. Can you write that on your notes today? Get in the Word in 2015 every day for yourself. Let the Holy Spirit be your resident teacher. I want you to write out there, you version. So many Bible plans. You version online for free on your phone, on your device. ODB, our daily bread. Go on the internet. You can request it. Give them a little donation. They'll send you a devotional. Charles Stanley, he has an exceptional devotional that he's been writing for decades. You can get that. The, you know, my most first highest, on and on. I, I can just tell you so many devotionals. I just want you to get something that drives you toward the Word. But don't stop at your devotional. Make sure you go on to the living Word, not just commentary from everybody else, and read the Word. And the church said, I'm going to do that in 2015. Be people of the Word. Man, that, that, that's my greatest appointment. If I don't keep that appointment, I'm in trouble. Everybody knows it. People are just gracious, go, hey, did you miss God? Now, I'm going to say something I never thought I'd say from this stage. I was doing a lot of study on this, and uh, wow, I got a lot to say, but here, I got to say this quickly. I want to apologize partly. <laughs> now, I'll go ahead and give it a full apology. I have badgered you, encouraged you, urged you, implored you to journal because I think it's good. I journal. I've journaled for decades. And as I was doing some research, there's a great theologian named C.S. Lewis that is profound in Christ and has written so much. And I read this thing about it I never knew. One of the most influential Christians of the 20th century. He said, I kept a journal until he was converted, and then he became a Christian. And he realized that it made me too preoccupied with myself. So then I stopped journaling. <laughs> I went, oops. So I thought the Lord said, I want you to apologize in the morning. But... I want, I want to hear that celestial holy bud in there. Does that mean keeping a journal is a bad idea? Not at all. Keeping a journal for me keeps me focused. Keeping a journal for me keeps me praying with power. Keeping a journal lets me see the, the themes of God and Scripture. But a lot of times, if you come to me for counseling, I'm just going to tell you, a lot of times, I, I, I buy stacks of notebooks. And we sit there, and I listen to you, and I'm trained in all this, and I love it. But after I've heard so much, then I go, okay, time's up. Now, I want to give you a journal. And I want you to write about what God is saying to you. Some people come back, they're free. God's done amazing things in their life. Sometimes people are like, I didn't write one stinking page in your journal. You want it back? And I realize some people can't do that. It's, it's not their style. So let me just move on here. I, I'm going to give you this quickly. Oh, man. I man, I tell you what. Y'all want to stay? No, here we go. Yeah, here you go. Learning styles. There's visual learning style. I learn best by seeing. There's auditory. Some of you are auditory. I, I, you frustrate me. You learn by hearing. You never take a note. There's tactile, tactile leaders. They learn by doing. There's oral. They learn best by saying. There's social. They learn best in groups. That's some of you. There's logical. You learn best in the linear process. And there's imaginative. You learn best through the art and story episode. But there's all these different pathways, if you will, and styles of learning in our journey with God. There's, our God is the great designer. It's not one fit fits everybody. Do you believe that? God has given you your unique personality. But here's what I'm wanting to say today. Change is possible. Change is possible in Jesus Christ. You can change from what you were last year. Second one, write it down there, spiritual isolation. You've chosen to be by yourself. You've chosen to do this journey on your own. 
Now, I'm going to say very authoritatively with the word of God, you're a fool. That's not wise. Do it with other believers. Robert now grieving the death of his dad. He's going to do it with community. My grandson and his mother and father and little sister, they're living life in community. God made you for community to sit around and do life and share your life. It's just awesome. And then the third one is spiritual myopia. You're so inward, nearsighted, and you think myopia is just a physical, it's a spiritual condition. Sometimes people, they, they can't see what's out there. I like what Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but anyone who walks in the night, he stumbles because the light's not in him. And then the time that Jesus touched the man, his eyes, and then he gave him a second touch. All I'm saying this morning, I pray Jesus touches you, and you ask Jesus for a new touch today. And he wants you to see. And you need that touch so you can see clearly and the spiritual nearsightedness, it, it leads to self-interest. It leads to consumerism. God wants you to break out of that in 2015. And he wants you to see the world. And he wants you to see the pain. And he wants you to see where you can have compassion. And you can share your life with others. How many of you want to make a difference with your life in 2015? How many want to make a difference with our life in 2015? Come on, church. we got to wake up. Sometimes, oh, well, yeah, I am making a difference. I'm coming. Well, yeah, that's part of it. I'm giving. Well, that's part of it. I serve when they make me. Nah, that's wrong. Nah. I serve if Laura gets up and guilts me. Nah, 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 nah. I serve because the Holy Spirit led me. Right answer. Okay, here we go. All right. So you find a group. You have a high view of God. You embrace him. Let me just say this. Let's get ready for the worship team. Embrace God's plan for your life. Just embrace God. Get in the Word this year. And realize that change is possible through Christ and through people that follow him. And I'm a fellow struggler. I don't have all this down, man. I'm still learning. Uh, I'd write down the thought, make repentance a continual exercise in your life. See, repentance is how you come to faith. You turn from sin and you look to Christ. You go a different way. But re repentance is for a daily pursuit of God. And if you make it a daily, continual, ongoing exercise, then you've got a chance to really be spiritual and then fill your life with the things of God, with the Word of God, with the music of God, with the people of God, with the things of God. Amen? I mean, I, I just, man, I, I'm, I'm so excited about what Scripture says. But I'm going to give you this last verse. I preached on it several weeks ago, and as I was going through change and praying about change, I thought the Lord said, I want you to just quote this verse today, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Write it down, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have heard that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So what did I talk about today? Change. Let Christ shape you. Let him change you. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for this morning for the people of faith and the people that have strong faith and the people that have no faith and the people that have doubting faith. But Father, we've come under the authority of your word and we surrender this morning to you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts. Change us in this place, O oh God. Start with me. I want to be a lead follower of Christ. Help us to be followers of you, the Most High God. From the inside out, do 
a work in our hearts today that will result in praise to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.